Hello, everybody. Welcome into Camel Call Friday. Evan Budrovich is back after his European vacation. We will talk about that. Of course, we are going to talk about Campbell at the Columbia, South Carolina Regional, which starts today. We'll have a lot on that. But first, equally as impressive this past weekend was our track and field team. We have been talking about them all year. Each and every week, it seems like they go bigger and better than they did before. And at the NCAA East prelims, basically the regional to get to the NCAA championship, where they take just the top 12 spots out of the entire East Coast to go to the NCAA championships, Campbell is sending a record six student-athletes to compete at the NCAA championships. You love it, too, because in the past, Campbell has sent it's cross-country runners, the, the Kenyan runners. We think of Amon Terrer and Amon Kemboy, and there's a whole lineage. But to have a 4 by 100 relay team. Amazing. Which, like you said, it's the top 12 teams in the entire eastern hemisphere, east of the Mississippi, basically. Actually, is the dividing line Texas? The eastern, is the eastern hemisphere? Was that actually correct? No, or that's was not. It? Okay. It, the eastern seaboard. You've been, you're still very jet-lagged, so it's that. But, yeah, but a lot, a lot <laughs> there's of— There's a lot of schools. A lot of schools— a lot of Power 5 schools from the SEC and ACC, all of them had relay teams, and Campbell's relay team was in the top 12. And then to send individuals on oh, both God. the men and women's side. I mean, that's what Campbell's been looking for. Yeah. Is not only, we've talked about in the conference, not enough total athletes to win a championship yet, but individually very strong performances. And we, we saw that with the, like you said, the relay team and then the individuals. It, Austin, Texas is a neat place for track. Yeah. Like Eugene, Oregon, Austin, Texas. Those are the two meccas of track. And for them to compete at the highest level, that, that's incredible. Yeah, it has been it has been sensational. And and Campbell has now for nearly a decade, back to 2015, they have sent at least one student athlete to the NCAA championships again for a track program with our budget for this size of school. That's incredible. And now to send this many and again have a relay team, Chastity Pickett doing the Four four hundred hurdles, and then of course Campbell, known for their distance runners, Dorcas Ewey, is uh, going to be there distance wise. We have a lot more to talk about with Campbell head track and field coach Virgil Gibbons, and here he is on Camel Call Friday. Coach, I'm running out of adjectives to describe how this has been, and I've been saying this for three months now. the The best season in the history of of Campbell track and field the best year really uh, when you go back to what you guys did in the winter so try to describe for me as you are sending six individuals in one alternate to nationals the most in program history they are going to be competing for an NCAA championship put into perspective what that means to you in the program new, new beginnings new beginnings um you know, I, I felt as though I followed someone that had a lot of success with um, Coach Kelly. And um, and I think sometimes, like, what was being done previously could be taking not um, – how can I say, like, um, he did it so much that it kind of became normal. And to follow after someone like him but to do even more, um, it's just new beginnings. And we're doing it differently than, than, than the way he did it. And so um, we're really, really excited, man. Um, we're really excited, and, and we think that this is just the beginning. Like, we think that um, what, you know, all these kids are coming back, um, except Dorcas. Dorcas is the only one who's not coming back, but everyone's coming back, and we have even more firepower coming next year. And so um, we think, you know, we'll be having these same conversations next year. And, Coach, I'm glad you brought that up because – one of the many great statistics about about what you have built here first as an assistant and then as a as a head coach is since 2015 Campbell has sent someone sometimes multiples to the NCAA championships I mean this is the longest stretch by far in program history but it was usually maybe one of the guys from the men's or the women's side in, in the long distances which again an accomplishment in itself but when you talk about a new beginning and doing it a, a different way, you're sending you're sending sprinters, you're sending hurdlers, you're you're sending a relay team, yes. which I think that is of the many things of how this program has changed. Like, look, it's not like you just have one fast guy. It's not like you just have a uh, one fast girl. 
you've got a relay team that is among the best in the nation. Yes, yes. Um, thank you. Like, uh, you know, I just, I, I continue to say, like, um, it's because of the hard work that the kids are putting in. Um, they're trusting in my coaching. Um, we're developing them and, 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 you know, getting them to this level. And so we're really, really excited. Just I, I can't say that enough of how excited we are. Let's break down what happened for you um, this past week. You sent a record number to the East Prelims, um, which is basically the regional round to get to the NCAA championships. And even those that didn't qualify performed really, really well. I, I know you had to be proud of everybody. I, I was, but I will tell you that our feelings were hurt. Um, and um, it was a lot of ups and downs. First, dealing with the weather. Man, we were dealing with... Uh, winds of 22 miles an hour right um and rain and so it was constant we were the first two days we're trying to change schedules and change times to be able to get out there because of what we were dealing with with the weather and then day one comes and it seemed like everything kind of calmed down um only for us to perform well but not like exactly how we wanted to and and so we we kind of had to rebound with the guys uh, that was off Wednesday and then Thursday it was like the girls had much better weather than the guys did the storm I guess you would say at that time we thought was over yeah and the girls for the most part went out there and um, and they took care of business um, you know I'll, I'll with the girls I'll even start it off with Destiny Bailey Perkins like she went out there and long jumping um, I think this was five weeks in a row she jumped a lifetime PB. So five weeks in a row, yeah. she got better and better <laughs> and better. She came in, I think, ranked 46th, and I think she finished off at 14th. And so they only take the top 12. And she jumped her mark that got her 14th from the very first heat. So she had to see a very first flight. So she, we had to sit there and watch yeah. three other flights go through. And she got nipped by the very mm. last two jumpers of the last flight. Um, so just an incredible experience for us to all sit there and see that. Um, and then I think Chastity just, you know, I've been saying it, man, Chastity is ready to be a household name. Yeah. And um, she started to show that glimpse um, in the 100 hurdles. And then, you know, she finished off the 400 hurdles as the number one seed going into to finals or to quarterfinals. Um, and Dorcas did what Dorcas does. She's yeah. reliable. She's consistent. Um, she's one of the best in the nation. And so she went out there and she did her, her part in the 800. And, you know, we were just really, really, we were excited for the girls because I think the only thing we had missed out on with the girls was, uh, was Patience Marshall, where she threw, she threw an, uh, where she was throwing at averagely, I guess you say throughout the year. Yeah. Um, but we knew she kind of needed to be above that, above her average to, to get out. Um, and so that was kind of bittersweet in it. Um, I th and I apologize, I have to retract. I guess the guys, the guys from the very first day, um, Andre Douglas went out there and, um, you know, first year hurdling guy. Yeah. And he PB'd again, um, which was great to see. Um, we got one guy through um, in the 100, which was Andre Bent, and Dom didn't run. It, it, the 100 was so fast. I can only attest to saying, like, it's the 100 this past weekend was – was faster than the Olympic trials in regards to making incredible. To making the final. Like what? you had to run nine seconds. Good lord. To get past, and you know we're we're headed that way, but just not right. quite there, right? Our guys ran ten one and they didn't make it, and so um, it, you know it was again very very fast and a two hundred kind of same thing, very very fast, um, and we had fun, but it was just, just disappointing because of. Um, what we came in there, wh where we came in ranked, and what we were thinking that we would be able to do. Um, we just didn't get as much as we wanted to, but we still, you know, we're just trying to be overachievers, basically, right? Like, clearly, we've never been there before, and here we are, upset that we didn't make it 100%. So, um, first world problems, but it was, still, it was still a great experience. Tell me about the relay team and, and how special they are. Man, um, you know, those guys, like the toughest part about, so I'd say like, you know, you have two relays in, in, in track and field. You have the four by one, and you have the four by four. Um, the four by one, everybody runs a hundred meters, right? Um, and you have to pass the baton, 
and you have to pass the baton off at a very fast speed. Um, the four by four, you can do it a little bit slower. So yeah. you have time to actually see the baton coming in. Um, so for, for these guys to come together and consistently run the way they've been running in the top, I think, 15 in the nation multiple times, um, to see them run that way this weekend with the 22, with the 22 miles per hour win um, facing our second leg, I mean, you can see the young man as he's running down a track. You see the wind hitting him and his jersey flying back. Um, it was a tough bout, but they still yeah. were able to communicate and, and make it work. I mean, to us, it's, you know, the 4 by one is the ultimate team right. concept in regards to track and field. Um, there's nothing else that you have to communicate and work so well and, and so tight together um, that, you know, it's just really, really exciting to see them continue to do that and, and I've been telling them all year long that they have the ability to be in the final, that they have the ability to score points at the national level, and you know we have another chance to show that. Uh, just amazing. As you mentioned, you not only have to be fast, but you have to be so technically sound. It's, yes. uh, it's amazing. So you have a big group that's going uh, to Austin uh, for the NCAA championships for the first time. It's a, it's a quick turnaround, really. You're telling me you guys are going to leave on Sunday night. You have to because it's June 7th uh, through the 10th as you will compete. Tell me what happens with you, with the student athletes between now and then, and then what happens next week? You know, so um, for the most part, right now, we're, we're, let's say up until today, like we just had our, our first practice again. Um, so we had to give them some days off. Um, and I'm not going to say we're going to keep it light, but we're going to keep we're going to keep the volume light, um, but still be fast and intense. Um, try to make sure we go back to the film, kind of like you know most ball sports or most sports in general, go back to the film and see what we did wrong and what we can do right. Um, try to fix those, and <clears throat> and then get on the plane Sunday and um, just make sure we tighten everything up for the rest of the week and and go have at it next Wednesday for the guys and and Thursday for the girls. You are. You have been, since you have been head coach, and, and for those that don't remember, and, and you are so gracious, you have been, you have been uh, on this podcast many times, and part of it is because we always have something awesome to talk about, but you are so gracious with your time. I, I appreciate that. But we've talked about before, you were dropped in um, to be the head coach, named as the head coach, almost as the season began. You went through that, shattered records, uh, brought home the first title in, in program history, and, and then this year, you had told me, you're like, hey, you, you wait, we're going to do even more and push the envelope even more and do it. And I believed you because I've, I've seen it and, uh, and we've sat back and seen all this. Have you been able to take a moment to think about what this year has meant or will that be on June 11th? No, and I don't think I will at all, actually. Um, to me, like, I, I guess just my personality is just to keep pushing and to keep going and um, and to continue to do even better. I feel like that these kids deserve even more. Um, for a second this past weekend, I felt like I let them down because they didn't make it um, in certain events. So, um, no, I'm not going to self-reflect. I'm not going to um, do any of that. Um, their joy, to see their joy and to see their excitement is really all I need. Um, there was like a little video where Chastity Pickett, like um, after she qualified in the 400 hurdle, she was crying. And it was she amazing. Was like, and she was like, you know, I'm going to Texas. And yeah. I mean, that's that's the reflection I need, right? That I'm able to put that smile on her face. Um, and outside that, man, I get back to work. Yep, definitely. Back to work it is. We will be down in Texas and nationally broadcast. So uh, we'll make sure through the social media accounts to keep uh, everybody updated about work and they can see you. Coach, congratulations so far. I've had time to reflect on it, and it's been an unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable season so far. So thank you and your student-athletes for all your hard work. Thank you, man. Roll humps. He is head coach Virgil Gibbons. We'll be back with more Camel Call Friday after this. with the head coach just what he has done and what he has built here we we've gone over it a lot of different times and and Virgil Givens has been so good and we've had long interviews with him on the podcast but he was basically thrown into the head coach's uh, role thrown into the deep end and has really really succeeded speaking of succeeded our Campbell baseball team winning the Big South Conference Tournament Championship sweeping 
as they go 3-0. and It's the best I have seen them play in a little while, and I say that the standard is always high, but boy, that was the team that you can see going far here in the NCAA tournament. Fresh off the Upstate Series loss, the question was, how would they bounce back? Could they play a, a solid weekend? That first Upstate game absolutely destroyed them. Jumped ahead early, you know, with a combination of the starting pitching the first two days. They had a lot of arms for day three. And then the bats got a little quiet, but that eighth inning was so big with the two home runs back-to-back. And like you said, it's not always the prettiest way to win a title, but last year we played Charleston Southern twice yep. and had to overcome a loser's bracket and work your way back to a title. This was a clean sweep, and part of the reason why the RPI was up in the top 15 and people had this conversation of could Campbell host. We were in the 30s in RPI three weeks ago yeah. and, and rocketed up the RPI. So a lot of that plays a factor. And then, two, you mentioned succession. Great show. They just ended on Sunday. But secondly, we succeeded from, or sorry, seceded from the Big South Empire and That's left true. with two titles. Yeah. They're now heading to the CAA. So yeah. a nice way to end it with four of the last five tournament titles. Yeah, n- no doubt. And again, if you put a, and I-, I will say this for perspective because I, like many, this is the best team that they have ever had. So the postseason, so much has to go right. This is a team that has the ingredients that it could go right. But you stop right now and look at this, the, the, the best season in Campbell baseball history in the top 25 for 12 weeks, I think 13 weeks now. Um, again, the, the, the sweep doing the double like they have. There has been 10 Big South baseball trophies available over the last five years. Campbell has won nine of them. Five regular season, four tournament titles. And our nemesis, Elton Pollock, took that yes. one title in Fayetteville. Yep, yep. It has been... It has been an incredible run. So stop, period. Now, Campbell not getting not getting a reason, regional. We had told you it's not just on the RPI because this has happened before. There's a lot of different factors. You literally submit bids that say, this is how much money you're offering. This is where we're going to play. Campbell's bid was very, very good. They, they do due diligence. They don't just send it blind. There was a lot of work that went into a bid that was very good and as good as the other teams that got awarded. And as we've talked about, because people on Twitter are not always informed, No, it was not Jim Perry Stadium that was submitted. Yes. It was Segra Field down at, at Fayetteville, which is a good stadium. It has all the concessions and the bathrooms and the press box. That and the seating and is as good as these SEC and ACC stadiums, because it's a brand-new minor league ballpark that was built in in 2018. It's sensational. Fayetteville has tons of hotel rooms, you know, good hotels and everything like that. Think about the Kentucky disaster this week. Yeah, yeah. Having to stay in dorms on campus. No one was going to have to stay in dorms down in Fayetteville. Um, They picked 16 teams to do... Uh, to do the regionals. Campbell and Dallas Baptist, who were both in the top 16 of RPI, were the only two teams in the top 16 of RPI that did not get awarded a regional. That's where uh, the, the, a, a lot of people have been, and rightfully so. It's not just Campbell fans. It's, it's not just us. It is baseball media that knows what goes into these things. And I think the biggest thing for me that hurts for it is is hearing the explanations of, of why Campbell did not get in. And they don't give you a lot of good explanations, but they say, hey, the RPI is a is a broken and a flawed metric. But that's what we have to use for a lot of these things. So so on the one hand, they are they are putting people in and putting people in their places and teams because of RPI. But then at the same time they're letting you know that RPI is flawed. And we really need to fix it because it's biased on the East Coast. They brought all these different factors. Yet that's what they use and then do not use when they're in the room making that decision. And that's what's so bad. They all know it's not the end-all, be-all, but that's what they go off of. Well, RPI is a great way to take 20 teams with 20 different resumes and put them in a room. Yes. And that's the starting point. And, and folks at higher publications like D1 Baseball have touched on this. It's about your road record. It's about yeah. the record of your opponents that you play, and you can't always control that. The one thing I did hear, and this is good for this summer, was the Big South RPI and the Big South opponents hurt Campbell's resume. There's no doubt. And moving to the CAA with two teams, Wilmington and Northeastern, who are both three seeds and quality teams, getting in, plus Elon, plus William & Mary and others, the strength of that league, in theory, could push Campbell over the edge in the future. 
doesn't help for today. Very disappointing, and I yeah. think Campbell had the right to, to host. But it does show that the thing that held Campbell back, which held Coastal back for a long time, yeah. was the conference they were in, and thus the move into a conference with a better reputation, RPI, and you're not playing all these teams in the RPI of 200 to 300, yep. and you're playing better teams. Teams every that you have to play because you do not schedule the conference. They did everything that they could in the top 15 in non-conference strength of schedule and non-conference RPI. So that is literally doing everything um, that they and could. And Hare learned from the 2013 uh, season yeah. when they had the 49 wins but didn't have a great non-conference schedule. Yeah. And he said, I don't want to sit in the sports zone again or the county seat, our new friends of Campbell Athletics, <laughs> and be waiting on a selection show to not get in. Yeah. So I'm going to play tougher opponents. And they had quality Division One wins, which they're called Quad One, or top 50 ranked wins. They had nearly 10 of them. Yeah. So a fifth of their schedule was high-quality opponents. I think, too, it opened up the wounds for those of us that were around of, of, of 2013. For those that don't know or – we're not born yet, or we're 10. Gosh, I'm showing, my age. Yeah, I'm showing my age. In, in 2013, Campbell baseball team, um, their best, most wins in program history. They had 49 wins. They were, they were, I think, 49 and 13. They had 49 wins. They lost in the, at the time, it was a winner-take-all Big South Tournament Championship game at Liberty. Coastal was in the league. They had a good RPI. They were chosen. Liberty got the automatic bid. I'm sure the conversation at the table was there ain't no way we're going to allow three Big South teams into the NCAA tournament. Campbell was out of it. Um, Since then, they improved the schedule, and they did everything that they could do within their ability, got into the top 15 um, of RPI, and and were not chosen to host, which, again, I think, you know, you go back to that. What happened in 2013, not going chosen, you go to this and being like, what else can we do? Well, we can change conferences, and that's what they're doing. Okay, that's the one part of the equation. Now, let's get really excited for if you are not thinking about advancing, which we are, but if you're just a fan, my goodness, the Columbia-South well, Carolina regional is going to be And the last two regionals at Mississippi State, yeah. at Tennessee, on paper you could say Campbell had a chance, but they didn't. There, there was like a 1% chance. A lot of things had to go right against very good teams. Mississippi State national champion, and we pushed them in that – Elimination game. made it to the regional final, and the Tennessee game we saw with Cade Keeler in that night, where within a run in the last inning, no doubt, but didn't have the depth to win that region. This is the year when you look on paper, South Carolina, who's injured and still talented, and NC State, who's flawed in some ways. These three teams are all similar. There is no juggernaut team. Central Connecticut State won 25 games in its league. Yeah, not a shabby program. No, all four of these teams, and we say this all the time. But they literally could win this region. And I think three of them have a good chance. Campbell has all the opportunities to win this week and can have their best postseason ever. Yeah, it is is so juicy when you think about it, too, because uh, it starts 1 o'clock today, Friday. Campbell versus NC State. It's on the ACC network. That's how much they think of this game. You know, ESPN has a couple that they'll televise nationally. Everything else is on ESPN+. This one is on the ACC network. As you remember... And this is credit to NC State. NC State's for as long as I've been here, except this year, they would play a home-and-home home with Campbell. This is an NC State team that would, you know, traditionally make it to the College World Series. They Including were in, in the 21, mix, no when doubt. the COVID year they finished third because of some weird health issues. Yeah, them. yeah. Last year, of course, they were they, they were held out. But, but this year, they did not choose to play Campbell at all. Again, you, you have to, when you, when you talk about that, you have to say, hey, they played them every year for the past 10 years, for the 20 years. They did not this year. Campbell had been beating them more than NC State had been beating Campbell over the past uh, past years. So this is the matchup that we didn't get, that we do get. Why we love having you on the show is you know so much we got some about, trading uh, about the ACC. Um, uh, the, those of you that don't know uh, that uh, – that Evan um, did stuff for every in-state ACC team this year, did a, did a broadcast for every ACC um, in-state team and ECU, and, of course, um, he's a mainstay here here on Campbell. But you did uh, a did lot of NC State, State baseball, baseball. Games, You did yeah. 17? 17 games. So, so tell us about NC State, a team that was really on the bubble the last couple of weeks even to get into the tournament. NC State and Alabama were the last two undefeated teams left in the country both at 15-0. and 0. 
So those programs had fantastic wow, starts. Wow, that's right. They had a great opening to the year. They were 15-0 and 0 to start. They played Radford and Longwood. Okay. And they dominated just for some Big South opponents. Yeah. They played yeah. two Big South teams. They dominated. It's a team that has great defense. Uh, Kalai Harrison, Texas A&M transfer, played second base. They've moved him to shortstop. He's an amazing defender, really good defender. Parker Nolan, a Davidson transfer, grad senior, fifth year, excellent center fielder. And behind the plate, they have Cannon Peebles, who's a switch-hitting catcher. He'll DH, but he can also catch. And Jacob Cozart, who fittingly is Craig Cozart's son, really? the former high point coach, he's an All-American catcher. They are very good defensively. Well, James Groover, he goes by Gino. He's a Charlotte transfer. Coach Avon hit the transfer portal hard. The wow, no years. kidding. I mean, you're rattling yeah. off all these Power Five and Group of Five. So transfers. he plays third base. He's an All ACC third team third baseman. And they have the freshman of the year in North Carolina last year, Eli Serrano, over at first base. He's a six-six left-handed hitting, just a big player. He'll be really good in two years. So that's a talented offense. Their offense put 90 home runs top 10 in, in doubles. They're a prolific offense. Pitching is not their strength. But what NC State has is good starting pitching. Elliot Avon is old school. He's about as old school as you imagine. Yeah, mentioned. no doubt. He throws eight pitchers, and he throws the same eight pitchers every night, including a name you may know, Sam Heifel, who was the, the fantastic postseason arm two years ago as a freshman. He's from Apex. He's local. Yeah. They have good starting pitching. You know, the thing is, in, in a one-game scenario – the depth doesn't always matter right. pitching-wise. But that matchup of Cade Keeler and the ace for NC State, they have a couple they could choose from. I think Logan Whitaker is going to start. He's a right-hander. Those two arms are amazing. They're both yeah. all-conference, ACC and Big South. And, and we saw Keeler in the postseason look really good. He was really, I mean, that Gardner-Webb really start was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. If we see any bit of that coming off the mono this week and, and today specifically – Campbell's in a great spot if he can lead the charge on the mound. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, too. You know, this is an NC State team that's going to have a big old chip on their shoulder. Of course, 2021, they were down to the final four teams because of COVID testing. They were not allowed to play. There was a lot of controversy there. Um, that team could have won a national championship last year. Uh, they were it was they were the controversial one of the teams that was left out of the entire tournament. So they really, really feel – the NCAA has something like like we w our feelings are hurt by the NCAA and the yeah, baseball theirs selection. Theirs are a little committee. more hurt they, than ours. Theirs are a little more hurt, and then they put them in. You know, look, NC State's a third seed, number one. Behind They're one of Campbell. the better three seeds in the tournament. Oh my gosh, no, no doubt. But but this isn't this isn't an easy regional. This isn't the easy regional, especially with with, with Campbell. Who many people think can get out of the regional you and have then go an beyond. Underseeded two in Campbell that could have been a one. You have an yeah. underseeded three. Yeah. And you have an overseeded one that probably is <laughs> yeah. a two. So you basically have three two yeah. seeds in one region, which, and a poor Central Connecticut State, they're hoping to draw a winnable first game. And they yeah. go, you got to be kidding me. But they've played LSU. They've played Butler, who we've seen earlier in the year. Yeah. They've played Northeastern. They have tournament experience. They've been to four of the last six regionals up there in Connecticut. It's also near Bristol, so we can go see ESPN. Right, there. right, right. There, but uh, you're right. That region with three quality teams. Yeah. And three fan bases that have some rivalries with each other. That yeah. Carolina-NC State rivalry is big, especially in football. Yeah. And then the Campbell-NC State rivalry, a lot of cousins and siblings and friends. And like you mentioned, even you and I have called games for both schools. Yeah. Like, there, there's that intertangled, I don't know, spider web of it. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be fascinating. The, the fan turnout, just yeah. based on ticket sales and social media, is amazing. Yeah. Even for the neutral site game, game one. So it's going to be a heck of a weekend. And, and we haven't even mentioned South Carolina. The, the winner of the Campbell-NC State game, most likely going to play South Carolina. It's at their home park. South Carolina, you mentioned, injured. They, when you say limp to the finish, you know, this is a team that started, I think, 30-4. and four. Uh, They were one of the best teams Swept in the country. Florida, who's the number two team yeah, in the country. Yeah, and then, and then it's like, well, they've really, you know, they, they haven't been doing well lately. It's because they're in the SEC, and not doing well is uh, getting swept – on two back-to-back -back weekends against two teams that are in the top 15. I mean, that is how, how tough it is. So, again, they haven't been winning games against SEC competition. And then they've dropped some midweek games, which, again, if you're an SEC team, the, the midweeks are very different as you're just kind of throwing out and trying guys, and that's when, and that's when uh, some smaller schools get you. But, again, they're going to be at home. They are 
I well, mean, a national championship. I, I do program, want to dive into know? the injury situation. Yeah, because they, they've been hurt. You know, yeah. right now Braylon Wimmer, they're starting shortstop. He didn't play in the SEC tournament. He's expected to play. But like we saw last year with Tennessee, they had an injured catcher who came back from mental health issue. He didn't start. He, he played a handful, you know, not full strength. You don't know what that factor is. I'm just looking at the roster here to double check. Cole Messina, the all-conference catcher, had a concussion in the SEC tournament. They're, he said he's cleared to play. But again, you don't know yeah. how much, how impactful. He hit 17 bombs, clearly a big-time contributor. And this is a lineup that you look at it, 110 home runs, and it's a hitter-friendly ballpark. These could be 10 to 8 type of games. If if Cade Keeler keeps anybody below five runs, you yeah. check that box as a win because it's a prolific offense. It's a pitching staff in South Carolina. Jack Mahoney, he's been healthy all year, but two starters have been out the last two months and won't pitch in this region. It's been bullpen arms. It's been midweek starters. Thankfully for Campbell – you know, the Drake Pearson injury, we'll see it, how he does this weekend. Yeah. He didn't play in the Big South tournament. But pitching-wise, the arms are healthy. Yeah, they they have been, as Campbell as a team, knock on wood, unbelievably healthy this year. Again, preseason, Big South Conference player of the year, Drake Pearson, he does so much in the middle of that lineup, even though his average is not where many thought it would be. Look at what his on-base percentage is. Look at what his slugging is. I mean, he is getting there. So hopefully he'll be back. The difference this year. Why is Campbell better than they ever have been? Why have the results been because better? Because you're Why right. People We've think always they scored runs. Yes. They have always scored runs, and they do have that prolific. I will say that they probably have a better top-to-bottom mix of both power and speed than they've ever had when you really look at one through nine now and what everybody's doing. But you and I both know it is the pitching depth, not only starting-wise, but it's the bullpen guys and not a guy that can come in and, and get you a save. They have those. They have a couple of those but they have dudes that can come in. Aaron Rund is the first one to come to mind, but there are many more that can come in, give you two, three, four, five, six innings, which this is where it helps you. Campbell is going to get into a position in one of these games where their starter is not going to have it, where he's going to be touched up for a couple runs early, where the pitch count's going to be high, and where you know if you keep him in past the second inning. It's 8-2 to two and you're out of the game. Yes, they have the depth to bring in a couple of guys and be able to have very good arms that are throwing very high philosophy well, that can come about, in and win you a game. Think about the growth of Jackson Roberts, the true freshman. The freshman, who was yeah. The all-freshman, all big, freshman, South big South pitcher. He's developed into their mid-relief arm where he didn't throw more than five innings until April, right? And that late development, that was Ty Cummings two years ago who developed into a stopper and a late reliever. He has started some games this year, Ty has. Yeah. Cam O'Brien, who got the final out of last year's Big South tournament, is now a starter slash reliever. You'll use him in a bunch of roles. You know, you think of, of guys like Jeremy Wiegman, who's pitched a couple innings. The roster limit is important. You don't yeah. have your full roster. I believe it's 27 or 28. I need to double check. Right. But you get reduced. So how Justin Hare uses his bullpen and who he decides to make active and who will not – you know, for example, like a Daniel Brown who throws 100 miles an hour, he won't be on the active pitching roster, if I had to guess. We'll get you those final names later today. But it, it does open up some options. You know, you look at arms like you mentioned Rund. How do we use Cade Boxrupper? Because yeah. he has pitched – he started against Mississippi State in that must-win game two years ago. Yeah. Ideally, you go Cade Keeler game one, and Justin's been very evident about we're going to go to the next game once we win the first game. Yeah. But I, it sounds to me like Hunter Lloyd is that number two arm as a starter. And the way he's pitched he in, good in the weekend. midweeks and yeah. in the tournament. You know, and then from there, you hope to play a third game. You hope to be 2-0 and and play a third game. Do you go chance to Quilla? Do, do you go box ruck or run? You know, there's a lot of options of – but you got to win one of those first two to get And to the difference three. is those three you said after you get past the first two games – those are all guys that I can see winning a game in the regional when in the past, when you get to three, which Campbell has usually had, but four and five. We saw that in Greenville yeah. three years ago. That just wasn't enough pitching depth. Yep. To, even though we had the 2-0 advantage over ECU, there weren't enough arms yeah. where you could trust more than an out here and out there. And This team, this pitching staff, we've said this before, but it's worth pointing out, and you have to give all the credit to, to Justin Hare think, and his uh, coaching staff. So the Wiley Hartley story, you know, a kid who had Tommy John after football season, yeah. 
Missed an entire football year. Quarterback and pitcher. Quarterback and pitcher. And now is getting outs in Doing the Big really South tournament. Well. Oh, yeah, right. Like, this kid's amazing, that's, right? That's big. I mean, now he's earned himself a spot on the active roster when he, a year ago, wasn't playing baseball because he hurt his arm and was the starting quarterback in football. Like, this is such well, an underrated story. Well, we can see. Well, we can definitely get that story when uh, when he ends his uh, his uh, NCAA run with Campbell baseball and walks across, gets off the bus, <laughs> walks across campus, and goes into football camp, which will start in July. Right. And, I mean, right. Like him and Chad Masco are competing <laughs> yeah. for the number two job on the football team. Yeah, it's and amazing. And he started five games and yeah. set an all time record for passing yards before I mean, Chad broke it. I mean, he has worked. He has worked hard, but there is something in his DNA that uh, God was like, "Hey, you're going to be really good at sports." You know what? A couple of different sports. I'm sure he could pick up a golf club and shoot it 300 yards oh. as well. Um, um, but the, the the pitching wise, and he is he just shows you the depth. We have a backup quarterback on the team that can throw 95 yeah. and and can get guys up. But this is a byproduct of 2019. In 2019, Campbell went two and zero at the ECU regional. They had to win one game against ECU in the final game of that region. To possibly host a Super. Oh, no doubt, because there was upsets. They lost both those games, giving up a total of 25 runs. They gave up 12 and 10 runs, and he knew, it was evident, that he had he had a team and he had built a team and a program that could get into a regional and win games, but could not win a regional, and thus he he put so much into pitching, and they've developed guys, the and they've got case. guys in. He has a special it's office amazing. of analytics coaches. It's amazing. And, and, and the, the addition of Eric Miles, the former Presbyterian pitcher, who now works with T-Rob, and those two organize the pitching, yeah. that's been huge too, to add three to four coaches who are just pitching specific. Yeah. And Hare, he's more of an overseer. He's not hands-on with the pitching. He doesn't touch it. He lets Tyler do pitching changes, Organize pitching, recruit pitching, develop pitching. Like it, it's all him and and Eric and others and and Stampler and and what they've been able to do is incredible. J- Justin Hare has been here for 16 years. He he was an assistant back when this program Taylor Field was a well, was a high school high school field. And if you look back on pictures, you cannot argue that it was not. Um, they had a, a bunch of good guys, but they had nowhere near the talent. And the fact miracle is a wrong word because that that says that you know god just kind of pointed at it and it happened and this has taken a decade and a half for work too many people to name because it starts with hair because he's the one that's been here the whole time it's been administration it's been university support it's been unbelievable players that took a risk on this place and still sort of do to this day um to to come here and to get better it's guys that have been to the pros it it's the fan base it's the it's the boosters but my goodness to have what this place was as a baseball program a decade and a half ago and to have what it is now is is unbelievable. Regardless of what happens tonight, this weekend, next week, next year, next summer, five years from now, this is one of the biggest accomplishments the fact you know, that in mid-major in sports. Conversation to host. In mid-major sports, right, it's amazing. Four years ago it was we finally got over the hump and won a Big South yeah. title. Because Hare had two previous losing seasons going into that year. We win the regular, we win the, the conference, and go to, to um, yep. what am I trying to say, Athens, Georgia, yep. and go 0-2. But that was the first, like, hey, we're finally in a region. Yep. Then it's be a three seed. Then it's win a game in the region. Yeah. Then it's get to a region final, and now it's you could win a region. It's gotten better every year. Like that like, ladder is progressively yeah. climbing. Now the tough part is, as you know, this may be our best shot to win a region. And taking advantage of this is huge. Not yeah. only getting to a final and, and obviously doing well, but for Campbell baseball, this is that next big pillar that they want to cross and get to that super and, and move on. They have all the chances to do it. Yeah. Like we mentioned, good team in South Carolina, good team at NC State. There was no juggernaut team in this region. But still to point out, and you and I have been watching baseball for, for a long time in that, it is so hard to win a region, whether you're the first seed, whether you're the fourth seed, whether you're the third or, or, or the second. It is so hard to win a region. And that's why you say all this because Campbell has had the best year in program history. They will be disappointed if they don't get out in the regional. As a whole, you're going to have to look at this season whenever it stops and and look at what has happened up to this point as well because – you, you know, again, will there be disappointment? Yes. Will they, you know, are they a team that's built that they think they can not only win a regional, but win a super and go to Omaha? And yes, and I agree, and I agree with all that, but also too, 
wow, what a ride it has been so far. The 44 wins is, is impressive. Yeah. Especially when you consider they had to go out of conference and play good Played teams. Played such a tough, tough schedule. They're not playing cupcakes on no. Tuesdays. And then you combine the fact that they won the double and they ended the yeah. Big South with, like you said, four of the last five trophies and, and nine of the last ten with the regular season. That's, a, that's an incredible run. Yeah. Coastal Carolina did the same thing a decade ago. And look where they're at now right? with Gary Gilmore, who announced he's going to retire at the end of next year. So congratulations to Gary. They are a top 16 national seed. They won the World yeah. Series seven years ago, which makes me think about how long I've been at Campbell now yeah. for eight years. But also, too, they have built on a Big South success, and now the Sun Belt's an amazing conference. So that's the future for Campbell. Maybe not winning the World Series. That's so difficult. But getting to Omaha, getting to that next yeah. step, building a ballpark that is better and better than even when we, we were here in the last decade. Like, all this is good steps. Seeing the disappointment of fans not going to a regional, that's important. That matters. You want fans that are invested with the fundraising efforts that are going on right now to help build better facilities. Like, that all ties together to the great season, not just the record and how you finish, but now there's the next step because yep. of what we did here to make 2024 even better. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. And here is uh, Coach Hare talking about more about this season and what's to come. The thing is, is, is you know, about our guys and, and our program, and, and we're fortunate this way is is we've we've played in some really big time environments you know these guys played at tennessee in a hostile environment last year mississippi state two years ago um south carolina this year georgia three or four years ago i mean we've we've played in some big time environments and and um you know so our guys they kind of they enjoy that you know they don't they don't run from that they don't shy away from it they they embrace that they embrace those environments um and it tends to bring out the best in us. So I think anybody that, that's going to navigate their way through this regional has to play obviously very sound um, and, and get some breaks along the way. But also, you know, again, you're going to have to play with some confidence and with some aggression because um, there's some really good teams in this regional. And, and the team that comes out on top is, is going to be the team that, that carries that confidence through, um, through the weekend. You've been the head coach at Campbell for nine years, but a part of this program at 16 years. Can you put into perspective and talk about what you took over a decade and a half ago and how you've built that into a top 25 team? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, when we showed up on campus, Coach Goff, Greg Goff, who's now the head coach at Purdue, hired me, um, you know, from a school called Washita Baptist University. Um, Division two school in Arkansas. So when we showed up on campus, we were taking over a program that in, in 2007 had gone 11 and 45. Um, and, you know, we turn around and right now we're at 44 and 13. So, you know, you, you talk about 16 years later, what it's been like, we, we were excited to have a field that had lights and had a metal wall and had some bricks down the sidelines, um, you know, and, and, and felt like, man, we, we can really recruit to this place. And then you know, you start showing up in places like this and, and, and Chapel Hill and East Carolina and NC State and all these really nice venues across North and South Carolina and Virginia. And you think, man, we've got some things to do and we've got 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 some pieces to add. And we've been able to do that, you know. Um, and, and so it's been a really fun journey. It, it's been really fun to to be around really, really good people in Bowie's Creek and, and have really good players that continue to to believe in in, in what we're selling every single day and, and that that. Um, that our place is a little bit different. It's a little bit more unique than than some places. You come there to find out how good of a person and how good of a player you can become. Um, and through that process, you have a chance to be a champion. And, and that's what these guys have done. And that's what a lot of guys over the last 16 years have, have sacrificed to, to have that opportunity. Um, and, and so, you know, it's really fun this week. You know, I, I can't tell you, we've had guys from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000 and 2010s and, and 2020s all text me, right? Over the last 60 years, alumni from Campbell University Baseball has texted me all, every decade over the last 60 years. I mean, that's pretty special, man. I don't know where that happens other places. I, I'm sure it does. Um, 
but 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 there wasn't people from the last 60 years texting us in 2008 when we went you know 21 and 37 in our first year um so there there's a lot of people that are very proud to say they wore the black and orange um and, and we're really proud to, to to represent that every day so it starts coming up today hey if you like this podcast you're, you're gonna probably love at the ballpark listening you're, at 12 you're gonna love yeah. you're gonna love what happens at 12 45 today as evan and i and maybe some special guests will be in the booth we are going to give you play-by-play for this game campbell at nc state It'll be on the Varsity Network and, and GoCamels.com. We will be there all weekend, uh, both in the booth, to bring it to you. Here, here's what the schedule looks like. That game will be on the ACC Network uh, coming up today as well at 1 o'clock. We'll be on the air at 1245 with your free audio coverage. Remember, fans, you need a cable subscription to watch <laughs> the ACC Network. Yeah, that's true. Do not true. log in with your ESPN+. Plus. ESPN you will Plus. not be able to watch it. That's very good. You are, you, you, you're an ACC Network Plus and network I have man. the polo. So you have the polo, so he knows he knows it there. He doesn't have a code. He can't give it to you. Game two coming up tonight, South Carolina versus Central Connecticut State at 7. That's on ESPN+. Plus. They wait till they see what the best matchups are to see who's the national TV broadcast. We don't know where it's going to be on TV tomorrow and Sunday. But the winner of, uh, of the two games today will play Saturday at 6 o'clock. The losers will be at noon. And to your point, Winning that first game today against NC State, I don't want to say make or break, but it is really, really hard big. to win a region if you start 0-1, it's especially really on big. the road. Yeah. This game today against NC State is the difference between having a great chance to win and a much tougher. Like, this is a huge yeah. game today. Yeah, there's no doubt the uh, the, the losers will play uh, tomorrow at noon and then on Sunday it'll be the uh, the another elimination game at noon and then the, uh, the the championship regional final game will be at night on Sunday at 6 o'clock. If necessary, remember, double elimination. So one team will go into that game six, late Sunday night game without a loss. One will have a loss. If the team with a loss wins, they will force in, if necessary, uh, game seven coming up on Monday. Not just the Heat and the Celtics. Not just the Heat and the Celtics. And you never know what's going to happen, which is why which is why you play the game. So far... For fans traveling or listening or watching, sure. the weather is playing nice. So we will ideally Friday is good to go. Won't be any issues Friday. I mean, Evan, we're taping this on Wednesday. You are, you are, you're saying Friday. Friday is good to go. Let's just enjoy the. All game. right, <laughs> all right. Hey, wait. We we tease this, and we do we do not want our uh, our faithful listeners, both of our parents, to uh, to, to 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 text us about this. Your European vacation, tell me about it. Well, I mean, I mean, let it go. It was it was amazing what you guys saw over there. So we started in Split, Croatia, which is one of the tourist capitals of the world. And you've got Croatian blood, right? My my father, uh, Anthony Budrovic, he, his family's from a town called Stadigrad, Croatia, which is off the coast of the mainland, but a little island. And so we went to Stadigrad. Oh, actually, the beach. did you really? We went to the city, uh, the town hall. Yeah. Couldn't find the names. You know, some of the records. His, his father, their family immigrated to the States. I guess that would have been the early 1900s. So there's some history there, about yeah. 100 years removed. But meeting Croatian people and, and the names and the food, oh, my gosh. It's, it's a pasta pizza paradise in Croatia. It's very Italian-based with their food. Yeah. We uh, rented a sailboat for four days. My family, parents went, brother and his fiance, okay. and then me and my fiance. Can you sail, or did you have sailors on the boat? To they have a captain. Okay. His name was Borna. Sure. Uh, he's a 30-year-old CrossFit trainer who does the sailing on the side, because of course they do, and he was an Olympic rower. Uh, crazy story. Anyway, so he takes us on this four-day journey. Come to, on, to really? islands. We visited these enchanted caves off the coast of an island in Croatia. Uh, we went to the Stadigrad, like we talked about, yeah. and then went to Dubrovnik, which is where they filmed Game of Thrones. Right. A lot of the scenes were filmed in this. It, it's basically a castle, and the town surrounds the castle, but it's all encapsulated by a big wall. So you can walk it. It's like a two-mile round-trip wall. But, oh, my gosh, just the beauty of that country. Because it's yeah. right on the coastline. You can see the, the Adriatic Sea and the Atlantic, or the, uh, the ocean, Mediterranean. Like, Oh, the food was amazing. So then we fly up to London, uh, my mom's side of the family is from England. They're all hey. from Wales and, and yeah. the Welsh side. So we went to London, saw an opera performance, Phantom of the Opera. At wow. the, it was called the Her Majesty's Theater to honor Queen Elizabeth. Okay. But, of course, she passed. So 
King Charles is now in, so they changed the name to His Majesty's Theater. It's right in the middle of London. We went to Buckingham Palace, but it was closed. They're in the midst of uh, $500 million of renovations. <laughs> uh, King Charles moved in and said, this is not up to my standards. Oh my so gosh, they are come on. taxing the British like crazy. I bet it was Camilla, for being honest. Yep, the Queen Camilla was probably all over the renovations. Not my queen, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, London's fantastic. It's just such a tourist yeah. town with all the sights. And we went to Battersea Park in London where my grandparents met on my mom's side. They actually what? met Seriously? in London. He was Come serving on. in the U.S. Air Force during World War One, and or sorry, World War Two, and she was living there at the time. And they met at the park on one of their off days, and then they got married, and they're now sixty-five years together. So, so, so she grew up in England. She grew up in England. They immigrated during the war to London. So she was working at somewhere in London, and That's he was incredible. He was in the Air Force, and they were based in London. And they met at the park, and boom, they got married a year later. Wow. So they've lived in California ever since. But oh, my gosh. So kind of neat to, to see the history of that. No doubt. We took the channel underneath the River Thames yeah. from London to Paris yeah. and met our former friend and former intern, Baptiste Tejan, yeah. there in Paris. So we went to the French Open. And the crazy story, one of my former USC roommates, Yannick Hoffman, who played at the USC tennis team, he was in the French Open. He didn't play that day, so we didn't get to watch him. But oh just gosh. the fact that we were at the tournament – we watched a couple matches in their center court, which it holds 20,000. It's an amazing facility. Yeah. And it's right in the heart of Paris. So we, we went, did that. I'm scared of heights, so we didn't go up the Eiffel Tower. But we went to the bottom of it and saw the Eiffel Tower. You're scared of heights? Oh, I have an immense fear of anything above, like, 300 feet. I didn't know that. So I, you won't be seeing I me. I thought you like weren't afraid of anything. <laughs> Not much, but heights get me. Yeah. Uh, and then we did a river tour of the Seine River, which is right through the city. So you can yeah. jump on a little boat and float down the river. Best part of Paris, though, we had escargot, which is snails. Fantastic food. It, yeah. So you're giving me a look of, like, no, distraught. I've, I've, had, I've had them before, and I will agree with you. Like, they're, they're good, but that you wasn't just my have to, you, part of you Paris, just have to get part of the... in Paris. So snails were your favorite food yeah. in Paris. Like, I, I will admit you, they're good, but you have to get past... It's like eating frog legs. I mean, this shows me my, my Midwest country roots, but, <laughs> like, frog legs are pretty good, but you you're eating frog the, legs. The mental hurdle yeah, of you're, what you're, you're eating. eating frog legs. Like, it's that... Man, that's incredible. A lot of museums mixed in, too. Yeah, that's, in, that's incredible. Wow. A European vacation. That is uh, that is great. Thank you for sharing. It. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to join you in Colombia today. This yeah. is great. Oh, man, this will be a lot of fun. Evan and I will be on the air for each and every game, of course, Saturday, Sunday, and then beyond TBA. But today, we'll start at a little bit earlier than usual, 1245 for the 1 o'clock start, Campbell and NC State. You can get it on the website, gocamels.com. Also, the Varsity Network app will have it. It's free. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. We'll to, see you in Gainesville, uh, talk Florida. Lot, right? We're just calling it. Let's, that's let's where, predict it now. That, that's where Campbell would go. You would think that the winner of this is paired up with the uh, winner of the Florida Regional. Florida is really, really good. So you would think the winner of this regional is going to Florida. Hopefully that's a Campbell's. Man, would we have a lot to talk about next week. For Evan, I'm Chris saying so long. Thank you for listening. This has been Camel Call Friday.